You're now listening to The Co-op Podcast on thecoalition.com. afternoon ladies and gentlemen and welcome to a brand new episode of the co-op podcast i'm your host richard billy jr and today i'm joined by mr gary ace Wavy. how's it going gary it's going good thanks rich how you been uh doing pretty good just uh good very busy right now um getting ready for a lot of things that are going on on uh over here in the states for well for me anyway here here in georgia so <laughs> good good yeah it's been a while since uh we did the co-op because uh, we did the avengers thing last week and um we had like a week hiatus before that but we are back now um hopefully there won't be any more disruptions but yeah sometimes life gets in the way so yeah Oh, no, absolutely not. And I definitely would like to apologize to those that if they were expecting us to continually do shows. I know last month uh, I was out, you know, I was pretty much out. of I, I was out of the town. I did go to WrestleMania at the beginning of April. And then, of course, something did happen within those last two weeks where I had to not not be on the show as well. So I do apologize. But, yeah, we'll be very consistent now because. We're pretty much in the lead up to uh, E3 2019. Uh, pretty sure there will be a lot more news dropping about stuff that'll be at the show, so on and so forth. So um, we'll definitely be very consistent from here on out. Um, I did want to, however, before we get into what we've been playing, definitely want to give a shout out to everybody that checked out the uh, the last show we did last weekend for Avengers Endgame, as well as thanking everybody that was on the show, because I thought that was really fun, exciting conversation. Um, so definitely got to give a shout out to uh, Tony Polanco, Carlos, uh, Mr. Robert Workman, uh, our, our good friend Austin Conway, um, and of course Dan- Dana Abercrombie as well. You know, we had a, we had a great show uh, today. Well, well, last week. So definitely thank everybody for who, who was on the show and everybody who checked out the show. And Reggie, I think. Uh, oh you, yes, Reggie. Say Reggie. Oh, I did not say Reggie. You know that he was by far the most emotional person on the show. So we definitely got to got to got to shout out Reggie. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it, I mean, I mean, the, the, you mean really, really the movie was a such a huge event. So we knew we definitely wanted to record a show. We had that discussion long before this was something that was planned out a long time ago. So I think everything turned out great. Conversations were great. So definitely check it out. If you haven't checked it out and thank you. Thanks once again to everybody who was able to check it out. Indeed. I really enjoyed that show. So if you haven't listened to it and you've seen Endgame, definitely go back and check that episode. Cause it was amazing. Absolutely. Yes. So with that said, um, we're going to go into what we have been playing for this week. Uh, let's start off with you, Gary. How about you let everybody know what you've been playing? Uh, I played a few things just because uh, I'm going through some things in life. So I needed some things to kind of take my mind off of everything 
So I, I managed to play quite a few things um, at the tail end of this week. I've been playing Overwatch, of course, but um, I also played some uh, JRPGs on Steam. Uh, one of those is uh, Hyper Dimension Neptunia, which is like a, a quirky JRPG. Um, and uh, it's actually like a spoof of like the game industry. Uh, you have like a, a character slash goddess that represents each of the consoles. Like one of them represents PlayStation, one represents uh, Nintendo, one represents Xbox, PC. Like uh, obviously they don't use the actual names, but like it's it's like done in a spoof kind of way. Um, and you know they all like battle for control over this area called games industry. So um, it's like a, um, a fun kind of light-hearted RPG. Um, and I, I like the grind. Like you need to do a lot of grinding to power up the characters and stuff. So uh, that's what I like about it. Like it's uh, kind of therapeutic to just like go in and level up your characters and things like that. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's not like don't expect an amazing story or anything like it's because it doesn't take itself seriously at all. But you know, it's it's just a fun, quirky JRPG. Um, and also, I've been playing um, something that's definitely more fulfilling story-wise. And that's uh, Legends of Heroes Trails in the Sky, which is another JRPG. Um, I really play... I'm really playing this because um, I want to play Trails of Cold Steel, which is um, set in... It's like the same kind of series... But um, it's more up-to-date and it has 3D character models and stuff like that. But shouts to Riku-san1 from the Throwdown. He won't let me skip to Trails of Cold Steel. Um, so I have to play Trails in the Sky first. And Trails in the Sky is a great game. Um, uh, but visually, it's an isometric-style um, JRPG. Like, it's very old-school in its look and feel. Um, whereas... Trails of Cold Steel looks a lot more modern and it's 3D and everything like that. So that's why I kind of want to skip ahead to that one just because it looks more modern. But at the same time, Trails in the Sky is, is really good too. Um, if you if you don't mind playing those, um, you know, um, old style JRPGs, then, you know, it's definitely something that you should get into. Like the story... Um, so far, the story hasn't been too deep because I'm still like six hours into it. And with JRPGs, like it takes a while for things to develop because, um, you know, they, they take hours and hours and hours to to like beat. Basically, um, I'm six hours in. And so far, it's just about two uh, young people, a boy and a girl who have joined the guild and they're just kind of doing quests for this guild. Um so yeah, I mean, you know, fairly fairly simple story at the moment, but I feel like it's building to something bigger. And I've heard that, you know, because the, there's a lot of games in this series, um, and, you know, even with the, the Trails of Cold Steel game, I, I hear that this is, um, it's a lot like the Marvel Universe in the sense that the characters from one game interact with characters from another um so yeah it's like a big universe of different characters and different stories and stuff like that so um if you're into jrpgs and you want to get into like a new um grand kind of kind of series 
that sort of like Final Fantasy and Persona and some of the other JRPGs out there, some of the more popular ones, then definitely look into the Legend of Heroes series and Trails of Cold Steel. Um, Trails of Cold Steel is actually having a remaster that's coming out on PS4 fairly soon. So look out for that if you, you know, want to get into that. But Riku-san recommends that you play Trails in the Sky first. So, yeah, I just want to let everyone know that. But, yeah, that's all I've been playing this week. Just JRPGs and Overwatch. That's awesome, man. Sounds good. I mean, and I will say that I, I commend you for playing something else other than Overwatch. So... That's that's great news. <laughs> yeah, uh, one thing with Overwatch, it's it's starting to get to that point where it's becoming annoying, and I blame Blizzard for this because um, they need to fix competitive. Because um, like there was a time where like it used to be amazing, like it used to be super intense and exhilarating to play competitive, win or lose. Like even if you lost. You lost because, you know, you know that you made mistakes or your team made mistakes, but you had a great fight and you learned a lot about the games and and the heroes and stuff like that. But nowadays, you're losing just because people suck. Like, the, the people you're playing with, like, they just suck. Like, you're, you're matched up with people who just don't take it seriously at all. They don't even try to win. Um, and a lot of times, people just leave the game. And when people leave a competitive match it doesn't find anyone else because you know you need that chemistry you can't just have someone leave and then find someone else like um it's a huge disadvantage because you know it's just that's just the way it is you know um it's a competitive game so if you if you leave a competitive match like that's a very serious thing and it hurts like it destroys your team's uh chances of winning and it ruins your fun like it, it wastes your time basically um and that's happening way too frequently now so i feel like blizzard needs to find a way to punish people who just leave the game um fair enough with like somebody's connection cuts out or they have an emergency um i feel like blizzard should be able to detect that like they should be able to know when someone's actually leaving the game through the menu or whether their connection just cuts out like if their connection just cuts out, then fair enough. Don't punish them too harshly. But if they just leave the match for no reason at all, with no regard for their teammates, then I feel like Blizzard needs to come up with a way to punish people like that because they're just ruining people's like chances of winning and ranking up and wasting people's time. So I've kind of taken a small break from Overwatch just because it's getting really frustrating now, like more frustrating than it's ever been. Um... But I'm hearing a rumor that they are kind of going to introduce something that will overhaul the the competitive system. Um, and that might be coming for the anniversary later this month. Because um, this will actually be... Like, this month is actually three years now since I've been playing Overwatch. So that's a long time to play one game. But, yeah, people are saying there's going to be some type of rework coming this month that will kind of fix a lot of the problems in competitive... So I hope that is coming because I'm I'm starting to reach my limits um, with patience for this game. So yeah, believe it, believe it or not. 
Well, I, de- I definitely would say, yeah, three years is definitely a, lo- a good amount of time to play a game. That's definitely a long time. So uh, commend you on that. And um, we will see if they think of other ways to improve the game. Um, I definitely think it is possible uh, if they know a lot of people are complaining. But uh, we'll see what happens. Yeah, one of the biggest criticisms as well is that Blizzard have started to cater more towards the Overwatch League than the actual game. Um, so that's like one of the biggest criticisms going around the community at the moment. Like they only care about the Overwatch League because because the league actually broadcasts on ESPN and um, I forget which other channels, but like there are channels where they actually broadcast on TV, and that's making them a lot of money. So it's like people saying that they only care about you know um, the pros that play the game and not the actual customers that are playing the game right now. Um, and you know the, the the professionals who play the game in the Overwatch League, they play to a different standard than the actual player base because they're able to have an experience where everyone is always coordinating, um, and because they're actually physically sat next to each other, their games are different to what you would play if you know you're like say I'm just a regular person playing the game. Um, I'm not having the level of of games that they're having in the Overwatch League because I'm paired up with ran- random people and we're not able to coordinate like the pros are because they're sat next to each other and they practice all day every day. Um, so that's one of the biggest complaints like because the matches for regular people are just not the same level of quality as what you're seeing on the streams. So um, people are very frustrated by that. Oh, yeah. But yeah, sorry, Absolutely. sorry to keep talking about Overwatch. Uh, carry on, Rich. Oh no, oh no, oh no, 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 you know, you know, you're, you're, you're totally fine. Yeah. <laughs> I went off on a tangent. No, 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 no. I, I, I have no complaints. Uh, maybe, maybe eventually I will give Overwatch a try. Um, I'm not going to commit to that because you know it's it's a lot of games I have to get caught up on, but we'll see what happens. Um, so. Oh yes. So, so as for what I've been playing, uh, there are a few things that I have been playing this week. Uh, one game in particular, uh, I spent a ton of time on Mortal Kombat 11. I uh, want to give a shout out to Mr. Jake James Lugo, as I know that he actually reviewed the game for us on the website. So definitely check out his review for some impressions. Uh, as for my impressions of the game, uh, I do think it is definitely by far well, at least so far, it, in my opinion, the best fighting game so far this year. Now, with that said, uh, I did finally play Smash Brothers uh, earlier last month when I when I went to uh, WrestleMania. You know, my, my good friend brought his Switch and brought Smash Brothers, and I enjoyed the hell out of Smash Brothers. So I see why everybody loved that game right now. So the only reason why I wouldn't include that in this particular thing, I mean, that was the last year game. But so far, in my opinion... Mortal Kombat 11 is is, is fantastic. Um, the story is a little might be a little hit and miss for some people um, because I mean I, I completed the story. The campaign only takes about I, I feel like about six hours or so. Uh, feels like it's a little short, but it's I think it's a pretty good length because you know it's better to have a campaign instead of not having any campaign. But in terms of the actual you know how the story plays out. Um, 
while I do think that it, it was it was good, I still still think it could have been better. Uh, I do think the way they handled the Injustice 2 storyline, that was significantly better because you had to make some choices between Batman and Superman. And there were some alternate endings depending on the choices that you made as either Batman or Superman. So I really much enjoyed that. Uh, with Mortal Kombat, there's not really any choices that you're making. You just play basically playing playing the game through. I mean, you there are some instances in the story where you can play as another fighter because they do pair certain fighters together. Like for example, uh, in the story, characters like Jax and um, you know Jax be paired with his daughter, and then you can pretty much make the decision: Do you want to play as Jax's Jax for these couple of matches, or do you want to play as his daughter for these couple of matches so stuff like that yeah okay that's fine but to me it's just like um when it gets to the nitty-gritty of the actual story uh it's not really anything that um <clears throat> it's just a big 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 difference I don't, hey i don't hey, know how on. i could not talk about gary swaby leaving the playstation nation uh oh oh yeah okay <laughs> Yes, well, we, well, we, we do have a special guest now, Mr. Austin Conway. How how you doing, good sir? I'm glad I can come back and actually talk about things I know as opposed to last week. <laughs> oh no! Uh, hey, I, I thought you did. I thought you, yeah, you had you, you was great last week. You knew a lot of the behind the scenes stuff, so that was great for the conversation. Well, I, I appreciate it. Like I said, it's a matter of um, I can't. I, I really hope it beats the Avatar domestic box office. It's getting there. Or, no, worldwide box office. So we'll see. Uh, I still haven't seen Avengers, but I want to. And um, once I get back out of L.A. for a little bit, I'll check it out for sure. Awesome. Awesome. I, so, I, didn't, mean, I didn't mean to interrupt. What topic were you guys covering? Oh, no. I'm just talking about uh, a More few of the combat. things that I... Yeah, I'm, I'm talking about a few, a few of the things that, I, that I've been playing. Um, oh, gotcha. So I can go to you next after, right after I'm done. I'm, I'm, I'm almost done. But 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 yeah, just to go back to what I was saying with Mortal Kombat, um, I definitely enjoyed uh, the storyline in Injustice Two a lot more. But the Mortal Kombat storyline is not too bad. You know, it's it's entertaining for what it's worth. But I, I definitely think that the game overall was fantastic. Uh, great combat. I know some people have complained about the grinding, but um, I think that. You know, they, there's obviously a lot of content in the game, so anybody that complains about that, you know, I, I I don't really think it's too justified because if you spend sixty dollars on a game, you expect to really be playing it for a while, and if you spend sixty dollars on this game, you definitely will be playing it for a long time. Um, so I say NetherRealm did an excellent job, and uh, definitely going to spend some more time with it uh, once I'm done with today's show. Um, and finally, the other game that I have been playing that I can't really, I'm not going to really say too much about it. I have been playing uh, A Plague's Tale Innocence, which is a game that is published by uh, Focus uh, Home Interactive. Uh, they've been publishing a lot of great games this year. I know World War Z, which uh, our very good friend Adam Vale reviewed on the website. And of course, The Surge. They've also published that game. So, um, Definitely look for my thoughts on that game because I'll have more to say about it. You know, right now I am going to be reviewing it for the website. So stay tuned for the review in the future. Um, but I'll definitely talk more about it next week because I think by that time the embargo list and I'll be able to say more. But um, definitely I, all I can say is this is one game where 
you definitely might want to check it out um, if you're if you're in, interested in playing something a little bit different from what you might be used to. But I'll speak more on that next time. Um, now I'm going to pass the mic over to you, Mr. Austin, and ask: Is there anything that uh, you have had a chance to play this week? Well, you know, uh, Mr. Rich, I, I honestly, I so. I pretty much occupy just two major spaces. I really am just in LA or I'm back in Kentucky. Um, I, uh, I don't want to gloat or be obnoxious, but, um, I bought a really nice TV and therefore put myself in financial ruin. Uh -oh. uh, <laughs> not, not seriously, but, um, but, uh, yeah, I splurged on a 4k TV a few years ago. So, uh, I don't move the consoles with me. I, I like to play on that TV. Uh, I keep the Xbox and PlayStation at home, but I've got the Switch on me. And in regards to the Switch, I've honestly just been trying. I never finished Breath of the Wild. So when I have a little bit of a work break, I'll pop that in and, and just, you know, do some uh, shrines. Hmm. Nothing, nothing, nothing too crazy, but I have a backlog that I'm hopefully trying to fully flush out when I get home. Um, I would love to dip into some Metro and, and, uh, and some other titles. Cause I've, I've there's definitely a lot I want to play. It's just when, until I'm able to like fully ground myself in one location or the other, uh, consoles kind of take a backseat. Well, I fully understand that. Um, I, you know, I'm pretty sure Gary will also agree. Yes, uh, we, we have pretty, pretty big backlog, but, uh, you know, when you have other stuff you got to deal with in life, uh, sometimes the video games got to get put to the side for just a brief period of time. Um, but I'm pretty sure we'll, we'll eventually have time to dive back into all the stuff that we want to get into. But, yeah, fully understand the backlog situation. Well, I mean, to be completely honest with you, and I don't want to shoot myself in the foot, um, over saying too much, but I just actually, I've been working towards uh, hopefully getting that next big career, and I actually just got an email from a SIE recruiter in the hopes of finally locking down something in the industry, so that would be... Oh, whoa. Lovely. Wait, in the gaming industry or the film industry? Uh, game industry. Oh, yeah. wow. wow. You, 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 you do know what SIE stands for, right, Gary? That's uh, Sony Interactive Entertainment, correct? Yes, sir, it is. Oh, nice. <laughs> well, hey, I, I, I certainly hope that I wish the best for you with that particular opportunity. Hopefully you are able to get that. Um, and I hope that you do that you do remember us if you do get a position at Sony. I don't think I could ever forget <laughs> Yo, Austin. Like when you're uh, when you're writing the next God of War game, can you put a character called Gary in there? Like just you know, just as a shout I out can, to me. At the end, honestly, man. At the end of the day, it's gonna be uh, it's gonna be Kratos's cousin. This is my cousin, Gary. He is equally angry and will also rip trolls' heads off. So I can totally see it go down. That's I can see awesome. you being Thank you, man. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Yes. Looking forward to that. But yeah, definitely keep us posted on what happens with that opportunity. Yes, sir. So uh, since you brought up Sony, that's I'm now going to use that as a perfect segue uh, 
And Gary, uh, you definitely need to address uh, the video that you made because even though we haven't been doing the co-op for, I think, the last two weeks, you did make a video, Gary, that uh, was sparked because of the incident that happened online. So please do let everybody know, Gary. Um, have you left the PlayStation Nation? And tell us about your issues with the censorship stuff that's going on right now on PlayStation 4. Okay, yeah, so finally I get to address this uh, again. So, um, yeah, this this ended up being a bigger deal than I intended it to be. But uh, let me start this just by saying that, you know, I saw a lot of the censorship stuff that was going on. And uh, because at the moment I'm very interested in JRPG games and, you know, these anime style video games that are coming out. Um, and, you know, I'm actually playing two right now. So, you know. Uh, that just demonstrates how much into it I am, you know. Um, so, yeah, I've been keeping tabs on all these news stories about censorship. And, um, you know, there's been uh, the, the the head guy at Marvelous, I believe, um, Studios in Japan. He actually quit because the censorship laws from Sony were becoming too strict. And then you had the, um, the Neptunia RPG which was delayed just because they needed to censor the, the PlayStation 4 version. Now, they, they delayed every version of the game, so the Nintendo Switch version and the PC version, just because they had to censor the PS4 version. Uh, the other two versions will remain uncensored. Um, and, you know, my question is, like, how comes Nintendo is okay with the game as it is, but Sony isn't? And, you know, Sony's kind of always been known for for being that platform where you can have those kind of Japanese RPG games, you know. Um, the Vita actually stayed alive for a long time just because of these types of games. And, you know, it's like suddenly, ever since um, Sony was relocated, like their, their headquarters was actually relocated to California. And ever since then, it's like they've becoming uh, a lot more strict with their guidelines. And my thing is, there's already a ratings board for video games. So if something is able to pass and, you know, it's it's obviously allocated um, a rating. So like whether it's for teens or for, for adults, um, I'm not fully familiar on what the actual ratings are in America. But over here you have like, you know, you have your 15, your 18 um, and you have like your 12 and under ratings. Um so yeah, like if a game is rated, you know, like 15 or 18, that means it's it should be allowed to exist and that only people of those ages and above should be able to purchase that game and it should be completely fine. But what Sony is doing is they're stopping the creativity of these types of games um, to where they have to kind of like, you know, um, censor a lot of things that don't even need to be censored. So uh, that was my frustration. And obviously, you know, Twitter, like my Twitter is like just my place to vent my thoughts and my feelings. Um, sometimes I make very bold statements, but um, I would say British people do that a lot. Like we're, we're very uh, bold and open sometimes in, in our statements. Um, so I just made a very bold statement. I said I'm no longer playing on PlayStation and I'm not getting a PS5 because that's just how I was feeling at that time. Um, I haven't really touched my PlayStation lately anyway. I've just been playing stuff on PC. So I, I sent that tweet out. Now, 
when I sent that tweet out, I didn't say that I would never play PlayStation ever again. It was just, you know, it was just how I was feeling in that moment with all this censorship going on, you know. Um, so I sent that tweet and it seemed like a lot of people were either upset or, you know, um, so, someone actually blocked me from that tweet. Um, <laughs> and I guess some people were just like confused and wondering if I'm trolling because I am a very playful person. I do troll at times on Twitter. So, you know, a lot of uh, you guys, like my friends and stuff, like you were like, oh, that's just Gary being Gary. And to some extent it was, you know, um, even though I was actually bothered by something, it really was just me being me as well, you know, a little bit. Um, so, yeah, I made that video as a response because there were a lot of people who were kind of upset about that tweet. Um, and, you know, my thing is like, you know, my decision is my decision. If I don't want to play PlayStation, I'm not going to play PlayStation. But some people are just so attached to, you know, the PlayStation brand or one specific console that, you know, if you're saying anything against it, they don't want to hear it or they're hurt by it to some degree, you know. Um, and there's no reason to feel like that, you know, like with me, I follow the games themselves. I'm attached to the actual games. So I follow the games like if, if uh, Final Fantasy were to become an Xbox exclusive I would probably get an Xbox just so I could play the next Final Fantasy. You know, that's just the way I am. Like, that's the way I am. I follow the games and the creators. Other people seem to follow the systems. So I'm just a person who follows the games and studios. But um, yeah, that, that's pretty much the extent of it. But now that you guys are here, I just wanted to get your take on this whole thing. And also what you think about this censorship that's happening and I would love to hear what Austin has to say about all of this. So go ahead, Austin. Um, you know, I think you're, you're talking, uh, you're talking, it sounds like it's almost a combination of two topics. Half of it is brand loyalty. Um, and half of it is censorship. And as somebody who um, owns, since last generation has owned all three consoles, I don't necessarily think I have a brand loyalty. That said, to be completely honest, uh, I got the laptop of war, so I definitely know where my bread is. Where my bread is buttered. Yeah, I wow. think that's. The, I don't know. I don't. I don't know the expression. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that is it. Uh, <laughs> that's slightly crass. Um, no, I, I think uh, if, if you look at the certain fan bases um so much of it is always going to be wrapped up in nostalgia that it's kind of the point where i always feel nintendo are the most aggressive um but people are going to want to uh be very outspoken in regards to uh ecosystems that they love and you're starting to see a little bit of that also with the predictions of the next gen console specs uh People, you know, it's not a matter of, oh, well, this console will do this or, oh, this console will do that. People want their console of choice to be stronger. Ideally, you know, as a big bullet point or box to check. Um, I think that is something kind of going forward that we're always going to have. Um, I think there are pros and cons to every console. Uh, in regards to the PlayStation censorship, that was something that I caught wind of in regards to, um, or in light of 
a cutscene change in Devil May Cry Five. Um, and I, I personally don't get it myself. I, I'm not a big fan of censorship, but at the same time, I'm not a big fan of shock content for the sake of shocking. Um, I think it, you know, it has to, whatever you include in terms of content has to serve a greater purpose. Um, you know, the, the sequence I think in DMC five was a butt crack by a woman who Dante was uh, carrying. And on the Xbox version, you just saw the, 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 the back end, if you will, uh, (laughs) as opposed to, uh, PlayStation, there was a J.J. Abrams-esque lens flare that covered uh, something as simple and as minimalistic as a, uh, a butt crack. So, obviously, um, you know, PlayStation felt the need to censor an element, and I think at the end of the day, unless it is grotesque and obscene, um, I would let the creators create. Yeah. Um, and, and I think definitely, you know, I think PlayStation is PlayStation's a brand that is so. If, if you look at the outcome, if, if you look at the outlook of PlayStation games in the last five years versus the previous ten, you become very aware of a. Um, I, I hate using the term "growing up" because that's very condescending to what had come before and especially the implication that it was inherently childish. But you see a difference in tone and take. God of War is no less bloody than what had come before. But I think, like, the new God of War's violence, and, like, God of War is my favorite game this generation. I love God of War. Love God of War. It's a great Um, game. Great game. I saw Corey at last E3. I was like, Corey... I love God of War. Uh, <laughs> and he's like, yeah, man. How you? Like, I'm a, first time I met Corey Barlog was at the first PSX, I think, in Vegas. Um, and we've kind of kept in touch briefly here and there. But um, I was blown away by with what he could do from a content standpoint with that game. It's, it's undeniably beautiful. I feel it is... Uh, amazingly paced because everything is there is not a single random ass moment in god of war 2018 everything has a direct cause and effect we have to go here to get this and then once we get this we go here it's perfectly paced the combat is so satisfying i can't wait for mjolnir to uh potentially join the weapon roster um it'd be amazing it would be so amazing could you imagine throwing both of them and both of them coming back to you uh Although, keep the chains. The chains have got to stay. Um, yeah, no, I mean, for me, it's it's so different. But at the same time, there are moments of pure gore. Mm-hmm. Um, they're used sparingly. There's no head ripping. But I think with the wolves, you can rip an entire jaw down. But something I have noticed is uh, the lack of a sex cutscene. And... I think one of the reasons why that was removed, I don't want to be condescending and say it's a growing up moment, but I think the current PlayStation ecosystem wants to reflect a more, um, 
a thematically mature audience as opposed to substantially. I don't think that's a word, but as opposed to the substance of, you know, let's have boobs and, and gore and butts. It's let's tackle dark themes because these games are still violent. And what I've noticed is what's getting censored now more than anything else tends to be um, an element of not necessarily exclusively nudity, but something that is uh, sexual in nature. Uh, it's, you know, wasn't that way a few gens ago. Like I, like I noted, God of War had sex scenes. But now we've got video games ha- featuring uh, LGBTQ uh, plus leads in the case of The Last of Us Part Two, We have more nuanced narratives in the case of the new God of War. So I feel like Sony is extra careful with censorship because there is, I don't want to say it's a desire to be, to appear more progressive, but I feel like the audience they're trying to attract um, is currently more important to them than the audience they're trying to alienate, if that makes sense. Right. Yeah. And I, I can see that for sure. Um, it's like, this is just one of the biggest issues I have. Cause it's like, extreme violence and gore is allowed like you know you have it in Mortal Kombat, God of War and many other games but you know when it comes to something slightly sexual um, on, a, on a female character model or something you know that's when everybody's up in arms and you know I just don't see why because you know this is we're talking about something that is uh, important to our existence and survival like you know um, you know things of a sexual nature um and you know i get that they're trying to be pro- progressive but to me sometimes it comes off as if there's some type of agenda here um and you know with sony moving their headquarters from japan to uh california in an attempt to uh, be more westernized and serve you know the western audience more i just feel it's unfair to kind of you know um target those these japanese style games when that's essentially the origins of playstation um and you know nintendo is completely fine with all of these games you know there's and and they're often seen as the family friendly console so if all of this stuff can fly over there then you know it just i don't know it just seems really strange to me that they have a problem with it at playstation um but you know, I, I mean, if if they're trying to be progressive and uh, trying to be more in line with what Western society um, sees as appropriate, then fair enough to them. That's what they feel they need to do, and I guess that's the audience they want to go for in the future. Um, I just feel like it's my choice as a consumer to you know make the decision that I want to in terms of what I value. So that's where I'm coming from with it. Um, and I'm not saying that I'm never, ever going to play on a PlayStation again, because at the end of the day, Last of Us 2 does seem great. And I'm going to have a very hard time not playing that game. So, you know, there, there's going to be a time when I return to PlayStation. But, you know, it's just that right now, I don't feel like it because I really value those types of Japanese games. So, I mean, I think at the end of the day, that is absolutely your prerogative and absolutely you're right. For me, it's... And it's hitting on a much broader conversation about uh, the West's puritanical approach to sexuality. Um, Mm -hmm. 
you know, I I will say, man, uh, being in L.A. and having a friend group that is more diverse now than ever, like, you realize how cool the rest of the world is with sex versus the U.S. Um, and to me, you know, kind of having a good friend of mine who's French uh, opened my eyes uh, substantially to the context and subtext matter. Um, I think... I think the U.S. in particular does idolize uh, violence and it shuns away, as you pointed out, a much more natural thing, uh, quintessential to our existence, which is kind of like sex and sexuality. Um, and that that is, in its own way, really screwed up. I think, though, in regards to... Um, if you look at the culture of the art and if you look at... Japan's output. One of my favorite anime growing up was Tenchi Muyo. <clears throat> and the female characters on Tenchi Muyo, the majority of them were very sexualized women in depiction. Um, I viewed that always as something that Tenchi had to overcome because uh, despite his uh, single guy living in a apartment full of women type, you know, dream fantasy a lot of straight men have. Um, he was never tempted away from just kind of his main focus, despite the sexualization of the women that he was with. So in that sense, I feel that the exaggeration in maybe attire or uh, proportions served its purpose because it showed you a man who was easily temptable, but chose not to be tempted all the same. So, at the end of the day, there's just there's going to be an art style that is going to be attractive to a certain demographic. And I think it is up for the consumer to choose whether or not that exists based off their buying habits as opposed to the platform provider deciding whether it exists or not. I think being in a capitalist system, at the end of the day, whether or not something's selling should dictate whether or not it exists. Um, and I don't know. Yeah. I don't know how to like stress that anymore, to be honest. Yeah. And you know, I'm, I'm not asking everyone else to feel the way I feel, you know, everyone, like you said, is diverse and, and they have, you know, their own likes and dislikes and what they prefer. And, you know, I wasn't trying to start a movement or anything like that, or any sort of boycott, you know, I was just stressing that this is my decision. This is the way I see things currently. And there will be a day when I return to PlayStation, but this is just how I feel about the censorship thing. Like, I feel like it's not needed. Um, now, there are some games, um, you know, that come from Japan and everywhere, really, that, you know, have things that shouldn't be there, such as, um, you know, like uh, non-consensual intercourse or something, or, uh, um, you know... Um, people of like a, a young age showing you know too much like things like that you know i'm, I'm trying to be careful with my words because of google um but yeah um things like that shouldn't exist in a game um i've also heard about a game on steam that was uh you know depicting terrorism and um you know it was very anti-muslim um so things like that should not exist because we like that's stuff that we do not need to see in video games. Um, 
so yeah like there is a line there like there is there are things that need to be censored but i feel like the things that are being censored on playstation do not need to be censored so that's just where i stand on this currently but um you know judge oh go ahead Kara. no sorry i was gonna no, go ahead. I was kind of finishing anyway. So. Well, I, I think you're right. I think there is a difference. I think there's a difference between um, a um, uh, woman stylized to have very large um, mammary glands uh, <laughs> and, and that be kind of the art style choice versus, yeah, as you pointed out, an underaged young girl stylized in the same way. I, I think... I think context will always be king. And at the end of the day, some people will be disgusted by the material. And I think they have every right to be. And then some people will also be, um, um, they will be a fan of the artist's work. I have friends, uh, in the LA art community who make a living drawing, um, unique pieces. And I think at the end of the day, if you're an artist uh, and if you can find an audience, you know, that's that's what's going to justify it. I do think there's a difference between drawing uh, crude material or presenting crude material versus um, uh, offensively obscene and disgusting. Because the examples you noted, you know, about underage... Um, and uh, the non-consensual, that's just, you know, that, that's crossing a line that uh, socially we know not to cross, you know, just based off human, simple, de- de- based off basic human decency. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and I think, I, I, I don't think we're talking about that being what's censored. I think we're talking about something that might not necessarily be in the best of taste, but all the same, it's still socially acceptable, if that makes sense. Right. Um, I will say this though, because you talk about a, a terrorism attack, I'm I'm all up for even if it's not content that I'm going to partake in directly, I'm all up for someone pushing the envelope. I will always remember Modern Warfare Two, No Russian. Um, at, it's I mean I never played the sequence myself. I passed the control off to my brother. Um, I value the ability. Uh, to skip it i think though at the end of the day like sequences like that and i think the most recent one uh that was really controversial in terms of like content being really edgy and and divisive was um the last of us the last of us's ending was to me something that was very contentious shooting doctors very contentious Mm. um I killed all three of them uh, because the emotion of the moment fueled me to feel a certain way. And I think in the case of any game moment where you're any moment in the video game where you're going to interject something that is really high tension and very stressful and very taboo, you have to justify it. I think no Russian could have been justified more. I think you could do a a situation where uh, I remember Rainbow Six Siege, the original one. Or no, no. Was it Rainbow Six Patriots? What was the original pitch? Uh, the one they cancelled was Patriots. Yeah, I remember seeing the footage for Patriots and the fact that this character has to, you know, 
you have to either shoot a man who's being forced to kind of act almost as a human bomb or suffer the consequence. I thought that was a brilliantly gripping sequence and I would have loved to have seen it happen. But, it, you know, alas, I, I think um, the social climate at the time wasn't ready. But if a video game literally has to make me put down the controller to pause before my actions, I'm totally into that. Yeah, like what you just described, like there's a part of that that I really agree with. Like I agree that creators should have the freedom to express certain things that are very real in life. Um, So, you know, if we were talking like racism or terrorism or something, I feel like you, you should as a creator you should be able to bring light to that because it's something very real that exists you know and i'm all for racism being a part of a story if it's bringing light to what really happens you know because i've experienced racism so i would like for people to be able to see you know the other side of that what it's like to go through that um but you know where i draw the line is if there's no sort of resolution or uh, the creator doesn't try to like put in any like understanding of what somebody in that situation um, goes through, um, and you know, like Richard, um, you know, we're we're very into wrestling, so there's an example here that I want to use. So years ago, there was this angle between uh, Booker T and Triple H, uh, where Triple H was the champion and Booker T, who you know, he's black. Um, and they, they cut a promo and um, Triple H was belittling Booker T saying that somebody like you doesn't get to be the champion. Um, you're, you're just here to entertain and dance, you know, which is, you know, a very racist uh, way to, to cut a promo. <laughs> yeah. um, now, I'm all for that happening because that is very, very real right there. Like, and that was a great way to bring light to something. The, the problem with that whole storyline was that Booker T lost. Like, the, the match, in the match that they had, the championship match, um, Triple H just dominate, dominated Booker T and won. So there was no positive resolution to the problem there. Like, it was just, okay, this guy was racist and he dominated and he continued being racist and Booker T went back to the mid-card, you know, just doing mm-hmm. what he used to do you know before so because there was no resolution there like it just comes off as a completely racist angle and it it kind of comes off like that's how the company thinks as a whole um so that's where i draw the line if it's like that you know because i feel like there should be more resolution there there should you know they should go into more detail about you know, the sort of feelings, um, the long-term feelings associated to that and how that affects Booker T in the long run. Um, and I also feel like he should have won that match, you know, just to to show that racism is something that shouldn't be there. So, um, that you know, that's where I draw the line. I feel like, yes, racism and, you know, sensitive issues like, you know, terrorism and things like that should exist in fiction, but it should, you know, the, the creator should be careful with how they handle it you know and they they should understand the story that they're telling and um the feelings that they're trying to project you know with the situation so i remember reading um somewhere that mafia 3 um initially i don't know if it actually did in the final game but i remember reading that mafia 3 uh i forget the protagonist's name 
Uh, yeah, I, f- I forgot to. I can't remember. But I'll look um, But essentially, something to the effect of if you are in a white neighborhood, you're more likely to have the cops called on you. Um, you know, that type of emergence gameplay is, to me, attractive, not because the real events are attractive, but because you noted, it's, it's developing kind of this playable empathy. Yeah. Um, and, and going forward, not to talk too much about really? next gen, uh, if we are going to talk about next gen, I guess I can expand upon it later, but going forward, um, if, if a system is in place where a female character might get more catcalls or if, um, you know, a, a black character might have more hesitation or smart AI where just the player feels alienated based off their choice. To me, that's the kind of fiction that's so real. And I think that's something that is more powerful um, being there as opposed to not being there. Yeah, like what you just said is very real and I'm thinking about several scenarios in games where like that would be great if, you know, um, people could really see what it's like to live from um, somebody of uh, another ethnicity's point of view. Like like you said with the uh, Mafia Free and, um, you know, it's more likely that the cops will be called in a white neighborhood. Like, that's very real. And imagine if, like, you have the next Grand Theft Auto, that game that comes out or something, and, you know, it, um, you have a black character and the game gets harder for you because you are a black character, you know? Like, I think that would really help a lot of people understand what it's really like in that situation. So Imagine having the AI literally cross the street to walk on another sidewalk based mm-hmm. off one character's skin color. Yeah. Yeah, stuff like that, you know, that that brings a lot of attention to to things that really happen. So that's why I'm all for the, these sorts of themes being in video games, as long as they're done right. Um, I agree. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, what about you, Rich? What's your thoughts? Oh, no, I, I, I mean, I'm, I'm pretty much in agreement with with the whole discussion that you both had. Uh, I definitely think it's okay to have the censorship stuff in these ge- well, let me take that back I think it's okay to have, to touch upon these different topics as long as you do it correctly um, I know uh, to stay on keeping on the path with, with Sony I'm very much looking forward to Ghost of uh, Tsushima which uh, I assume is going to be coming out, if it's not coming out this fall, it definitely will be out next year, so that is one game that um I'm definitely expecting, you know, in terms of if, you know, if there's any violence in the game, you know, you slicing and dicing people up. I, I, I want them to just keep it real, you know, don't uh, censor this type of stuff. And even going, going to The Last of Us Part Two, you know, we, we of course, you know, we, we got that game reveal, the gameplay reveal at E3 last year, which is uh, very, very graphic to some people. But I, I was like, well, this is great. I, I want them to embrace the nature, to show you how violent, how brutal this world is and the lengths that uh, characters like Ellie would go to to survive. I think that is absolutely essential to the, to, to the storyline. Um, so I definitely don't want any of this stuff to be censored um, moving forward because it will take away from really conveying and getting the point across to really show you how far somebody would go to do something. But um, I'm totally fine with uh, any of these things being in video games, just so long as 
they are done correctly. Um, and 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 whole, the whole thing with uh, what you said, Gary, about uh, wanting to take a break from Sony, I totally understand that. You know, because I really don't think uh, anything should be censored. I know growing up as a kid, uh, a lot of the things we, we weren't allowed to watch. At least my parents didn't let me watch some of the stuff that I wanted to watch. Um, and I understood this too. And I understood that growing up. But as a grown man now, I don't like the idea of, of anything being censored. If I'm, if I'm old enough to understand it and, and I want to see it, I should be allowed to see it. That That's what my mindset is. So, um, but yeah, I agree with a lot of the points that both you and Austin made. So, um, We'll see what what happens with this policy and what other games it, it impacts moving forward. You know, I, I think if I were to say one last thing about it, because um, you bring up the violence in the Last of Us, kind of serving the world and the story, and I agree. And I don't think that makes me a um, an effed up individual to say that <laughs> to say that in a video game about survival. I want to see not just my own respective character that I'm kind of journeying with, but also the people that are going to oppose this character. I want to see them fight for survival. And I remember seeing an E3, and it's the same argument all over again, but I remember E3 2012 seeing the gameplay reveal for The Last of Us. And the whole sneaking up and Joel grabbing them and just like them scratching at Joel in order to get out of the lock or the grip and to see that and to, to just know kind of the intensity of that, that was a situation where I personally feel um, was a big step forward for the medium because of what was depicted mm-hmm. and, and because it was done so in a tasteful way. Um, going forward, if The Last of Us, there was a moment in The Last of Us Part 2 kind of gameplay reveal that really struck a nerve. And it's something I've never seen in video games. And the closest I ever saw it was, now I personally liked L.A. Noir. I know a lot of people did not. Um, <laughs> but there I, was thought, a, I, I thought it was great. I just yeah, felt I like the, the open world was too, was too like uh, open and there wasn't much going on. But the actual story was great. And I love how they did the facial stuff. But I, I definitely agree. It would have been better as a more linear experience. Yeah. Um, but there was a moment I remember in L.A. Noir where I think Cole responds to a bank robbery or something's happened. And one of the characters is dying on the floor. And he pretty much gives his last word or words to Cole. And that, to me, was super profound because I saw the moment where this character just ceased to live. I saw where this collection of code went went out, pretty much. And seeing that moment in the last... like It felt like I watched someone die as opposed to a video game kind of uh, asset cease to function. And there's a moment in The Last of Us Part 2 that I know has come under flack for its own content. And I know some people have called for that to be censored. But there's a moment in The Last of Us Part 2 where Ellie's under the vehicle. She takes out her gun. The person looks under the truck. She shoots her in the cheek. And then you can see her eyes literally roll back. It's almost like you see the point of death. 
And I don't think it's macabre saying that I personally enjoyed that. I didn't enjoy that for its own sake, but to see that much invested in detail means that whatever highs and lows emotionally are going to happen within that experience, they're going to be effective. And I would never want any platform provider to try to censor those kinds of moments. Wow. Yeah. I, 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 I agree. There's a point that I wanted to make that I go ahead, Gary. I didn't want to cut you off. Oh no. I was just going to say that, um, I really hope that we get to have Austin on the show more because he sees things in great detail that, you know, other people probably don't pay that much attention to. So that's all I wanted to say. I agree. I agree 100% with that. Um, since since you mentioned The Last of Us 2, and, and I promise this, this will probably be the last thing I mentioned before we move on to the next topic. Uh, now, I know when they had that initial reveal where they were out in the woods and you know some, you saw people getting shot with arrows. Um, now, I wanted to ask you, since we're talking about the censorship thing, do you think that was too far? Because I saw a lot of people on websites, on YouTube, talking about, oh, well, this is too far. And my reaction when I saw that is, well, have these people have these people not played The Last of Us? Do they not know that the game is violent by nature? So I, I, I didn't really understand what people were complaining about, oh, this is too far, where you see all this stuff happening. I don't know if you guys remember that, but I remember that when they showed that reveal, and I was like, the reaction is like, why are people so surprised? So I'm just curious what you both thought about that. Um, from my experience, I don't want to, this is going to sound so like edgy for the sake of being edgy. I promise it's not. Um, I don't even think it's far enough because I think about, to me, the goriest moments in The Last of Us um, were moments they never kind of depicted in trailers. Mm-hmm. Um, if I, I mean, you look at what has been done in Red Dead 2, which is, you know, a great game full of great details, although if I have a critique of Red Dead 2, that's another game that should have been a linear experience, but that's a different argument unto itself. Um, but I remember in Red Dead 2 that if you shot a character, they would, you know, and this is something I have to pay attention to, if you shot a character they would walk off a few feet and then drop and die. So it wasn't an instant kill if you shot a part of their body that wasn't a vital organ kind of placement. Um, vultures would pick corpses. There would be decomposing body. There would be this attention to detail that was applicable to the gore. But I think in the case of Red Dead 2 and why it's a little different is that was typically violence that you initiated. Ellie is not trying to kill the world she exists in. That world's trying to kill her. And Mm -hmm. she's surviving it through whatever means she can. And because of that, I feel I would personally love to see more of that desperation on the controller. That's that's my stance on the matter. I don't think it's hard. I I agree. Um, I don't don't even think they, they went too far with that so to be honest like the people who tend to have an opinion on these things and you know um whose opinion tends to carry throughout the media and things like that 
I feel like a lot of these viewpoints come from people who aren't actively playing these games on a day-to-day basis like um because video games are so mainstream now and there's so many outlets to see like these press conferences and things like that I, I just feel like you know you have a lot of people watching who who probably aren't actually gamers like they just you know want to have an opinion on it and that that's just the way the world is right now like everyone's a critic everyone has access to the internet social media so I think that's why, you know, you get all this, the, this backlash and things of that nature when, you know, when, when something like The Last of Us um, shows a gory trailer. Um, so, yeah, I mean, for, for us, the, the people who are actively playing games like on a day to day or week to week basis or, you know, just frequently enough to, to be accustomed to, you know, gaming um like none of this is a problem for us and we uh respect that this kind of stuff you know like because we know what these developers the the type of work that they're putting in to to create the end result so we're more appreciate appreciative of it and i feel like the people who have these sorts of um stances on gaming just don't understand it or you know um uh i don't want to get too you know too into like social politics and things like that but i just feel like people you know they they want to push their own narrative uh even where you know it it's it doesn't concern them so uh, well and i think the reason why on top of that the reason why this examples like these always tend to pop more than something else is the Last of Us is getting flack for its violence because it is so grounded. Nobody complains in the mainstream media these days about Doom and ripping demons' heads off and <laughs> you're like taking eyes and throwing it down throats. Nobody cares about that. The reason why The Last of Us catches it is because you're taking the limitation. This isn't a superhero. This is a young woman. You're, you're taking her limitations and you're not trying to hide them. Instead, you're putting them on a platform and a display for the world to see. And I think the, the Last of Us, because of its simplicity, catches more complex messages from the media. Yeah. Absolutely. Very, very good points. <laughs> Great points. So, so... Any final things you guys want to say on this topic before we move on to the next? Oh, no. I think we hit the nail on the head there. Awesome. I agree. I agree. There's nothing really more to be said that wouldn't be repeating what we've already stated. Awesome. So, as the perfect segue to this censorship uh, conversation, I now have to ask do you guys believe that uh, when you saw the Sonic the Hedgehog trailer, that perhaps the uh, designers behind Sonic uh, should have uh, censored <laughs> that particular design work that they did for him? Uh, because apparently there was so much backlash that now they are going to make changes to the character design. So first and foremost, before you answer that question, I want to ask you guys, what did you think of the trailer after you saw it initially? So... I'll go to you first, Austin. Um, honestly, I haven't played Sonic Mania. Um, so Sonic hasn't been a huge part of my life since Adventure 2. Yeah. 
Um, and I love the adventure games because I love the Dreamcast. Um, and I'm not saying I, it, it's not important to me, but it's a situation where the Hollywoodification of something for the sake of making it like anthropomorphic is just, it's, it's the wrong way to go about anything. I feel, um, what, what's the movie recently that got a lot of flack for its character design. That's not changing it. That's a good question. Um, is there is something, I feel like there's something in the news that nobody liked the design and they're going to keep the design. Like the creators are justifying the design. That's a good question. Sure I have to, I have to check that. I mean, I know there were some people complaining about uh, Aladdin, the uh, the way that Will Smith yes. was in there. Yeah, that might be that might like play into the factor of them trying to stay on the fans' good graces. Um, I'm fine if they change it. I think honestly, my feeling is what makes Sonic look so strange is just the eyes. If the eyes become much bigger, I'll be fine with it. <laughs> Oh yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, so, I guess, I guess, I guess I'll, I'll, I'll throw in my thoughts real quick. Uh, as far as when I saw the trailer, um, yeah, I mean, I, I think, I think that, I think this is a movie that's coming out in November. Uh, I, there's not really, I don't know if there's a confirmed date in November, but I do know that um, typically this movie is going to be out around the holiday season. Then I, I still think, even though there were people that complained about Sonic. And that the trailer is kind of cheesy. There's still going to be a ton of people that go see this movie. So they're still going to make their money no matter what. But um, in terms of when I saw Sonic, you know, I thought the design, yeah, it, it, it definitely needed some work. I think that Jim Carrey uh, as Dr. Robotnik, I mean, that, that's, that, that, that'll be a fun role for Jim Carrey. Because I know as of late, he's been in a little bit more serious roles. Uh, there's a show on Showtime that he's on that I've seen a couple of episodes from which he does play a little bit more of a you know dealing with a lot of other things I mean he still is funny but also you know more serious life stuff so I think it's great to see Jim Carrey uh, in this role that's great but the fact that they use Gangster's Paradise in the trailer I did not understand that whatsoever I don't understand why that song was uh, was added to it um, and again even though Sonic's design can be improved upon I just think from looking at the trailer, just with the storyline they're telling in the trailer, I think that a lot of people are going to have other complaints about the story itself. Uh, if I had to make a guess right now, because I wasn't impressed with that. Uh, but at the same time, a lot of people are still going to go see this movie. It's going to make a ton of money, a ton of money at the box office. So I think that's all Paramount cares about, cares about ultimately. And we'll see what, what happens from there. But, uh, Gary, uh, I know that you are a Sonic fan, so what did you think about the trailer? Well, I'm not really a Sonic fan anymore. Uh, I used to be <laughs> back in the day, but, uh, yeah. Um, as for the movie, um, I feel like it's... Because the, the, the movie seems like it's not taking itself very seriously. So, because of that, I feel like they can get away with some things. Now, I'm not going to say that the character design is perfect like it's definitely not um and if they are going to uh, revise it then that's great um but 
Um, for me, I think the biggest thing is Jim Carrey. Now, Jim Carrey is a great actor. He used to be one of my favorites uh. back in the 90s because I loved The Mask and Dumb and Dumber and a lot of his other movies, Liar Liar. Um, so, yeah, like, I, I, I like him as an actor. I just feel like that that isn't Dr. Robotnik. I feel like it's just Jim Carrey being Jim Carrey. And I don't think it correctly portrays Dr. Robotnik. But mm-hmm. hey, like this is just supposed to be a wacky, you know, fun movie. And for that, I guess it's okay. Like, you know, um, they're not trying to be serious. Um, and I feel like with the Detective Pikachu movie coming out first, that's probably going to open a lot of doors for the Sonic movie to be successful. And I feel like there's probably going to be a, a younger audience who is going to flock to it and enjoy it either way. So for me, you know, I'm just kind of looking at it and I'm trying to see it through other other perspectives, really, because I'm I personally have no interest in seeing the movie anyway. Um, <laughs> so I'm trying to see it through other other perspectives. And I feel like for a younger audience, the movie, you know, is fine, I guess it's not taking itself seriously. It's just is what it is but i do feel like uh the choice of using gangster's paradise was a bit off like you know what 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 has that song got to do with anything in that trailer like i don't understand um so that's the thing that stood out the most to me but uh but the memes on twitter were hilarious though but um yeah i i don't know like i just i don't have that much interest personally i feel like okay um and I do think that it's cool that the creator is going to uh, listen to, you know, the uh, the critics online and everything. And I do feel like um, creators should be open to feedback because, you know, it, it helps them understand what people respond to and what people want. Um, but at the same time, it can also be dangerous because sometimes people don't know what they want. And that's why you are a creator, because you're supposed to come up with something original that people don't know what they want. Um, or people don't know that they want what you created. That's uh, what I'm trying to say. Um, so, yeah. I don't know. Like, there's two sides to to that argument. But, um, I mean, I think it's all cool that he is listening to the feedback and he is understanding the criticisms. And um, I guess we'll wait and see, you know, how he kind of fixes it, um, I guess. But... You know, I, I personally didn't have too much uh, to say about it, really, because it's just whatever to me. Um, I feel like they need to, I mean, obviously it's a different di- different division doing this and it's not directly Sega, but I feel like with Sonic, the focus needs to be on making a good Sonic game, you know, um, and kind of bringing the character back to his former, gl- former glory and stuff. Uh, I don't think that this movie is going to do that, so... Um, I don't see the purpose of it. It just seems like a cash grab to me. Um, so yeah, that, that's all I really have to say about it. Hmm. Yeah. Good thoughts all around. Um, yeah, I mean, we'll, 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 we'll certainly see what happens. Uh, like I said, uh, it, it is good that, uh, they are open to the criticisms and they, they want to make changes to the design. Uh, we'll see, um, how the finished product turns out. Yeah, I do feel like Detective Pikachu is going to open the doors for a lot of these kinds of movies, though. So it's going to be interesting to see whether we, you know, we see this become a trend moving forward. 
Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm pretty sure that uh, the Detective Pikachu. Uh, it will definitely be uh, some sequels to that. I would assume, or other characters will get their own movies. Um, yeah, I mean they, they had the animated cartoon film, but yeah, the live action is a different. That's a, that's a whole different uh, category. So yeah, we'll 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 see what happens. Yeah. So uh, any other thoughts on that topic before we move on to the next topic? Nope. Not for me. Okay, so moving on, um, we have three other topics we're going to go into. I'm going to go to this one next first because the the one after that is probably going to be something that we definitely have a lot to talk about. So obviously, uh, we saw the Borderlands 3 gameplay reveal officially this past week. Uh, I know that um, that stream lasted for, it, it felt like a couple of hours. But uh, I wanted to get you guys' initial impressions on Borderlands 3. Was you impressed? Are you looking forward to this game? Or do you think you still need to see more before deciding whether or not you want to jump back into Borderlands? So uh, uh, I'm going to go to you first, Austin. You know, honestly, um, Borderlands was the beginning of this kind of like shared cooperative shooter trend that Destiny then kind of uh, took the baton on. I don't mean to disappoint, but Borderlands was never necessarily my thing. I Gearbox has always been hit and miss. Um, Battleborn, I feel like, was a pretty huge miss for them. So <laughs> it is it is good, in my opinion. They're returning to a franchise that did do well for them. Um, I wish them the best, but I just don't know if Borderlands can exist in the same capacity this generation did as it did the last time around. If that makes sense. Oh yeah, that that absolutely makes sense, and and I, and I fully understand everything that you said, and 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 I also agree with a lot of what you said as well. Uh, I, I I now I will admit that I have never really been huge into Borderlands. I did play Battleborn, and that was a game that um, def- I could see why it was a miss. Is a lot a lot of re- a lot of a lot of re- repetition. A lot of things that just weren't right about that game, and, and it, it was disappointing, especially coming from the guys who, who made Borderlands. So that that definitely, definitely was a miss, and deservedly so. It definitely deserved the criticism that it got. But I believe it also launched around the, the time of another game that I, I don't really remember which game it was, but it was a game that was very similar, but was done a lot better, and that didn't help them either. So with that said, uh, once I, I did see the Borderlands three reveal. I mean, I thought the game looked okay. I mean, obviously, for those that are huge fans of Borderlands, you know, they are definitely over the, you know, they're definitely uh, over the moon for this game, and I'm happy for them, and I wish them well also. But to me, and even though this is a different game, but it kind of reminds me of Borderlands, to me, the game that I think is going to garner the more attention when these both of these games come out, because I'm going to assume that both of these games will be out sometime in the fall, even though, well, yeah. Borderlands is coming out in September, but I think the game that's going to get the most attention is uh, The Outer Worlds, because I know that when that game was revealed, a lot of people thought, wait, is this game Borderlands? It kind of looks like Borderlands, some of the characters in certain, but it's not the same game. You know, I don't think there's any looting elements in The Outer Worlds, at least from what we know so far, but I feel like that game just looks like it's a lot of fun. Um 
So I personally am looking forward to that more so than Borderlands 3. But for those that are looking forward to Borderlands 3 and have been patiently waiting for Borderlands 3, I'm happy for them. You know, I, they no doubt will get what they want. And I'm glad that Gearbox is now getting back to this because everybody have been asking, when is there going to be another Borderlands? So I'm glad they have finally decided, okay, yes, we, we, we have been working on this game. We didn't want to reveal it. But now they finally revealed it. People are happy, looking forward to it. So that's good for those that are interested. Um, now, with that said, I believe that Gary was into Borderlands. I have no idea what his thoughts are on Borderlands 3. So, Gary, the floor is now yours. Yeah, I I, I do like uh, the Borderlands formula in terms of gameplay. Um, now, I wasn't um, exactly like amazed by the the reveal trailer um and that's just because like a lot of times trailers don't work on me like especially like you know uh, first trailers where it's just like cgi and little gameplay or or no gameplay um those don't tend to work on me like um i like to see what the the game is actually going to be like i like to see um somebody um presenting the game and showing a demo at the same time like that's when I'm, you know, most impressed by an upcoming game. Um, but, you know, just the fact that this is Borderlands, I'm still going to buy the game. So, um, and, you know, I'm, I'm just, at the moment, I, I'm a fan of that kind of looter shooter kind of gameplay. So I will be looking out for it. Um, but I do agree with you, Rich. I feel like Outer Worlds is probably going to uh, garner the most interest because uh, it is something new um, and you know uh, Obsidian have a lot of uh, great press on them right now um, with the, the Microsoft deal and everything um, so yeah I think more people are going to be interested in Outer Worlds but it's cool that Borderlands 3 is finally coming um, it's been a long time since uh, the last one um, which I, I think was the pre-sequel was the uh, last one that came out which and that was pretty much just the, the Borderlands 2 engine if I remember correctly um, but yeah uh, it's cool that it's coming and I'm going to buy it regardless but I'm not super excited for it absolutely definitely so um, with that said uh Looking forward to Borderlands. Uh, I guess uh, September 13th, I think, is the release date so around that region. So definitely we'll see more. Hopefully uh, we'll see more. I would assume E3, there'll be a lot more that we'll hear about Borderlands 3. But for now, we'll see. As I said, personally, I'm looking forward to Outer World. So, but yeah, I, I will be somewhat receptive to Borderlands. I mean, I enjoyed the hell out of Tales from Borderlands that, you know, what Telltale worked on. I thought that was awesome. So I am at least somewhat intrigued with the idea of playing Borderlands 3, but we'll see how I feel when that time comes. Yeah. Yes. So um, let's move on to the next topic, which uh, I think <laughs> when I heard this news, uh, I, I mean, I was very surprised to hear this news. I mean, I know that Gary and I have spoken in the past about Epic Games and what they are doing, what they have been doing, with they're getting these whole deals on the Epic Store and stuff like that. But I never would have imagined that uh, this would be the next step that they would be taking, especially this fast. So um, 
Obviously, there was news that Epic has now acquired a Rocket League, uh, rather the studio behind Rocket League. So, um, <laughs> Gary, I want to go to you first. Your thoughts on this particular news when when you saw it? I know I was a little surprised by this, but uh, what, what 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 are your thoughts on uh, Epic's move here? And how do you think do you think this is a sign of other things that they may do in the future as far as picking up other licensing for other games, so on and so forth? Yeah, um, business-wise, this was a, a great acquisition for them, and I feel like Epic Games is one to watch. Like they're they're a company to watch right now because um, they they're in a position to become more powerful than EA, Activision, and you know all these other publishers, and you know that's just by a combination of things. Um, you know Fortnite, of course, and this epic game store which they're putting a lot of power behind now like they're acquiring uh you know studios and they're getting deals for with other publishers to release their games exclusively in the epic game store like these are powerful moves um and it's taking away some users from steam you know um the uh what game was that that recently came out uh, i'm trying to think uh metro like the the metro thing was a big deal because the metro games were always heavily marketed on steam you know uh, mm-hmm. the first two games and for epic games to secure that deal um to where the, the game is releasing exclusively on the epic game store on the pc that was major um and that i think that's the start of um a war for for these exclusive exclusivity deals on the pc um, and you know Epic Games acquiring Rocket League now Rocket League is another hugely popular game on Steam a lot of people still play Rocket League to this day and at the peak of Rocket League's existence it was up there with you know what Fortnite is doing and you know how Overwatch was at one point like this was a, a hugely popular game that had a, a big active um, player base you know so Epic Games acquiring them, like it, it's it's a major thing, like and and people need to people need to to, to keep an eye on what Epic Games is doing because they're doing great business right now. They're setting up for the future, and yeah, I feel like they're going to be a powerhouse at some point. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see what other acquisitions they make and what other business deals they're able to to cut. Oh yeah, absolutely. So you have any thoughts on this uh, news, uh, Austin? You know, um, I've always found Epic Games, uh, because I played Unreal before I ever played Quake, so I always found Epic um, to be a very, very competent, more so than a developer, a very competent um, business model. Because I remember last generation, the 360 PS3 days, it was like every other game was made on Unreal Engine 3. So, Epic's money um, that they kind of garnered from the Unreal, I've always appreciated. Um, I've always enjoyed. It's probably, um, not to throw shade, but uh, Gears of War is probably one of the best communities I've been able to succeed in. Um, 
at least, I don't know. When I say throw shade, I've got so many guys. I got, I got so many friends of mine who would beat me in Halo, but they couldn't hold a candle to me in Gears, so that's what I was referencing. But, uh, <laughs> but uh, you know, I, I loved Gears, and, and the, the work done on the first three was exceptional. Um, selling the IP to Microsoft, of course, garnered them more resources. Um Unreal Engine 4 this generation has been amazing. I think Days Gone has been the first PlayStation exclusive made on Unreal Engine 4. And Days Gone, for all its faults I've heard, is still an undeniably beautiful game. Um, They've always gotten their tech down. They've always gotten their tech down, but what they haven't gotten necessarily is the ability to, uh, to publish their own games. And I know Fortnite... I remember the Fortnite announcement and the Fortnite game that we ended up getting... Very different. Very different. Um, and kind of realizing that it's a games as service esque situation, and seeing Fortnite up until uh, Apex Legends, seeing Fortnite be the most popular game in the world, um, was impressive to see. I was proud of. The, I was honestly proud of the guys at Epic. The reason why I'm giving you a very long-winded answer um, is because I just identified Epic as game makers. Mm-hmm. And them entering the public space of a game publisher only makes me hesitant because I remember their biggest competition and um, the the individuals who are the most terrified right now were Valve also went through a phase of they made great games, but now all they do is publish games. So if they're going to go up against Valve, I hope they also don't repeat Valve's mistakes. Valve really doesn't make games anymore. Um, and I really would hate for that to be the case for Epic. I think Epic will continue to output amazing technology with Unreal Engine. Um, there's a, I don't know if you guys ever saw it, but um, if you get the chance, Google... Um, let me see if I can find it real quick. If you get the chance, Google Rebirth, um, and that was the Unreal Engine using photogrammetry, and it's all in engine. It's not pre-rendered, and it's amazing, and it's a promise of what the next generation might look like. And Epic can still make amazing tools, but I want them themselves to utilize the tools they make. I loved Gears of War. I loved Unreal. I haven't played Fortnite, but I've heard it's addictive in its own regard. If they enter the publishing spectrum, and I agree with Gary 110%, they'll be a force to be you know, reckoned with because of the amount of resources they have. But if they enter that spectrum, then I think it's crucial to remember the epic that brought them to the, to the level of success that they're about to garner. Oh. I, I don't know if you guys remember a game called... Um, uh, Samaritan or the proof of concept called Samaritan but it was the guy who had like body armor when he turned into uh, a giant cyborg that was a game they were working on and uh, it was going to be a narrative third person shooter and apparently that just ceased to exist um, so I, I very much want Epic to continue to make games yeah, I definitely agree with that, and that's one thing where Valve is is slacking, like because they're kind of leaving money on the table, like because if they put out a uh, Half Life, 
you know, or uh, Left for Dead or Portal. They're guaranteed to make money from that, but they're, they're making so much money already that they're just, you know, lazy and they don't feel the need, I guess. Um, so let, let's hope that doesn't happen with Epic because, uh, you know, they do have a, a you know, um, a vast history of games, you know, and they could bring out another Unreal Tournament as like a, you know, a, a service-based game and I'm sure people would love it. And, you know, that that's another thing I forgot as well that Epic Games has their own engine and they license the engine out to other people. So that's another revenue stream that they have as well. So I think Epic Games is going to be a big deal in, in the coming years um, on multiple fronts. So it's going to be interesting to see how they handle that and whether they actually keep making games, you know, like Austin pointed out. Um, and I hope they do because they, they're definitely talented enough to, to do some great things. Absolutely. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm, I, 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 I also will be curious to see them actually make some games. Um, really dive back into that. Obviously, you know, Valve has said that they're going to be making games again. Uh, they are have been working on a few things, but, um, we'll have to wait and see if that actually leads to something. I know there was a tease of, uh, Left for Dead three that ended up being debunked and said no that's not that that isn't that isn't accurate and that got a lot of people excited for a little bit of a little bit of time but obviously uh, yeah that died very quickly so I'm just curious to see what Valve does and what Epic does because I know Valve is, is not um, they're not really too happy about the Epic uh, game store stuff and that cutting into their business so I'm just curious to see how both uh, sides respond to each other. Because I feel like there's going to have to be some type of response, especially with the the Epic, you know, because they've been pulling off these deals left and right. You know, you have a game exclusive to the Epic Game Store for a certain period of time. I feel like Steam has to, they have the Valve's going to have to respond to that at some point. So I'm curious to see how they're going to respond to it. It is it is interesting to me to see we're 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 definitely existing now in this um, this business spectrum and i don't think it'll last it can't uh the sustainability will just crumble but we're even seeing it with just like uh more traditional video media disney has their own service mm-hmm. netflix uh there's a dc service everybody's doing their own little micro services and just kind of offering up one flavor um we're gonna have uh stadia we're gonna have valve with steam we're gonna have epic store it's people are we're getting to a more um, closed library and catalog than I think we've seen before. And well, yeah. Um, yeah, it's really interesting to see kind of it go down this way. Yeah, and I, I definitely think it's scary at the same time because, um, you know, I mean, I guess this really only affects PC mainly, but, you know, because EA has their own uh, video game client, you know, or digital store. <laughs> you know, Ubisoft has their own. Uh, CD Projekt has their own. Like, all these different publishers have their own client and storefront, you know. Um, and that is kind of like, you know, obviously a lot of um, gamers have been vocal about that. The fact that they have to have all these different clients to play all the different games that are on offer. So that is going to get scary, you know, um, and I guess that's the PC equivalent of a console war uh, or a platform war. 
um, you know, with consoles, you actually have the consoles themselves, but on PC, it's like now it's become a you know its own kind of uh, market where there's going to be a war between you know a war for for uh, gamers' money basically. Um, <laughs> and I, f- I feel like Epic Games is kind of ahead of the curve because I feel like they're they're trying to offer the gamer more. And at the same time, they're also offering the publishers more because they're giving the publishers more royalties um, and they're taking a lesser cut. So uh, I feel like Epic Games is serving, they're, they're doing a great job serving both the customers and the publishers on the platform. So that's what makes them dangerous because they understand that they have to please, you know, both those mediums. Um, so, you know, that, that's that's what setting them up to be a major deal um, whereas with origin it's like i just look at origin as ea's way to milk money from all of us because you know they have uh they have two different subscriptions that you can get on origin right now like and that's just too much like why why should i you know get any of these subscriptions like it's, it's too much like they, they're just they're just trying to come up with ways to make to take more money from gamers you know instead of just giving us quality games that we want to purchase um but epic games i feel like the philosophy they have right now is a a winning one so um it's going to be interesting to see how this plays out you know moving forward um i also feel like discord is one to watch because as a pc gamer discord is a big deal you know if you play a lot of online games there are entire communities established on discord for for you know each game um like with overwatch for example i could meet you know like some new gamers that i have great chemistry with in the game and you know they'll be like oh join our discord server you know and now discord is actually um has become a storefront of its own so Mm -hmm. they're selling games within discord as well so i feel like the fact that discord is offering something else you know besides just selling games like that makes them you know uh, a great service too um so yeah like it's it's gonna be interesting to to see how all of this plays out moving forward and i hope valve is able to innovate and you know come up with ways to retain their user base because they've kind of had a monopoly for a very long time um and it's it feels like they're starting to be disrupted now so we'll see how it plays out well i mean i've never particularly cared for valve's uh business practices i i think um i think the developers and the creators definitely get the short end of the stick when it comes to how valve does its business and if other companies are going to these alternatives as a means to find a way to keep their doors open then i i don't fault them at all Absolutely, that will that 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 will be what will force them to really reevaluate and try to make changes from within, especially if they see competition is right there. So, <laughs> so we shall see what happens. But uh, any final thoughts before we move on to our main topic for today? Uh. No, that's that's it for me. All right, so this is it. This is the nitty gritty, the stuff that I know that Gary said, 
he is not going to buy a PlayStation 5. We'll see whether or not that comes true in, in the future. But um, recently there was some news that Sony had released of their own stating that the PS5 won't release before April 2020. So uh, obviously we know that Sony will not be at E3. That does not mean that they will not have a state of play event, which I fully expect them to have. Um, but uh, I wanted to get you guys initial thoughts on this particular news. And then I guess we can talk about our thoughts as to how Sony's going to handle this announcement whenever they actually reveal the PlayStation 5, so on and so forth. So uh, if you would like to go first, Austin, the floor is yours. Thank you, sir. Um, I, man, I, I, I'm just going to be honest. The, the last like six years feel like they didn't go by at all. It's It's been very quick. It's been a very, <laughs> like this generation in particular. Yeah, yeah it went by in a blur. Yeah, even though it's comparable in terms of time to the last one, although I think the last one went on, what, two years longer than uh, expected. This one would have been about seven years, 2013 to 2017. Um, I am... uh, I, I always get excited about this kind of talk. I always get excited about this kind of talk because it's always a situation where... This is the only time in my life where numbers get me excited. (laughs) Um, Other than, you know, the weekly paycheck and such. But uh, it gets me excited because I start thinking about what they might mean. For me, the most attractive feature of kind of rumors last gen was the idea that, man, if The Last of Us looks this good and they're doing an Uncharted 4, what, what would Uncharted 4 even look like? And then it comes out of the gate. And Uncharted 4, I would say, is still one of the best-looking games this generation. Um, I I don't think either of the main two power-seeking console manufacturers would honestly go after a spring release. I don't think that would happen. I would love for it to happen. I would love to have those boxes sooner rather than later. But if you look at what's on the table, um, in terms of released launches, Sony still has Ghost, The Last of Us, Days Gone, Dreams, uh, and then I've heard I've heard up to one more noticeable exclusive that'll be PS4. Um. We know Xbox is going to do two SKUs. Sony's going to do one. Um, And in regards to the reason why I think waiting is good is because it allocates a better chipset. These, if you look at last generation versus this generation, uh, there was a lot of experimental tech in the PS3 and Xbox 360. This time it was all off the part, off the shelf parts. Um, of course, what changed that up would have been the Xbox One X, which used some very unique custom AMD uh, chipsets in its GPU. If if we were going to talk about rumors, 
and what is to be expected, then I think we have to pay attention to to um, to the fact that AMD is handling manufacturing uh, tech for both console providers. I don't think either manufacturer wants to come out as appearing like they've got the weaker box. I don't know about you guys. <laughs> I, 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 I loved my PS3. I got it late in the gen, but I was a 360 guy consistently. Yep. Because of 360's ability to handle third-party games better. Yep. I was the same. Yeah. So you know, kind of going into this generation, when you heard talk of some Xbox One, when that massive VCR-looking-esque box... <laughs> was released by uh, Microsoft, you heard talks about, oh, well, you know, Xbox, a lot of games are going to struggle to be 960, let alone 1080, whereas PS4 is guaranteeing 1080 across the board. To me, that was the deciding moment where I was like, I'm going with all my third-party games to PlayStation. (laughs) Um, Right now, it's kind of this weird reversal where the Xbox One X, I play most of my third-party games on the Xbox One X, largely because, um, you know, somebody who foolishly, foolishly, threw a lot of money in a 4K TV, I feel like like the Xbox One X has um, really delivered on multiplied games. What it lacks in first-party, and has lacked the entire generation in first-party. When even your one Halo offering is bad, Halo Five, mm-hmm. then you know you're 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 really messing up when it comes to your first party games. <laughs> that said, uh, Red Dead in 4K was was glorious. Um, I don't want to be because I've had so many people be like, "Well, if you're all about power, why don't you do PC?" I still appreciate the benefits of a closed off platform. Um, that said. Uh, I get excited about rumors and tech because it makes me wonder what these guys who were given this tech can do. I can't imagine what the next Naughty Dog game would look like, um, let alone the next God of War. Right now, I think the um, I've heard the rumors for power output because everything's counted in teraflops. I don't know why I quoted that. Those are real things. But the rumor in uh, output right now is... I've heard anywhere from 10 to 14 teraflops for next gen. And to put that in a sense of like, to, to make that relatively comparative, the base Xbox One had, I think, like 1.3 something. And then PS4 had 1.8 teraflops of computing power in its GPU. Now compare that to the PS4's Pros 4.24 and the Xbox One X is six teraflops. So take what Xbox can do and double that. Um, so I can I can only imagine you know what that would, especially this notion of 8K. Um, personally, I'm really excited about next gen. I'm more excited about next gen than I was this gen. Um, I, I can wait a little bit longer because there's still more stuff to play. Yeah. Yeah. I'm with you there. Um, so does, does this mean that you're also going to buy an 8K TV? When, when <laughs> <they're there? laughs> 
Oh, Gary, those things are so. Pr- I, I'm still paying off the 4K TV, man. It's gonna be a bit for 8K. <laughs> <laughs> nah, I'm, I'm sure that's not gonna be necessary for a long time, anyway. But um, you can probably still, you know, uh, experience a lot of great things on 4K for for years to come. Oh, absolutely. So, I, I, you know. Set. You know, I, I I I do think that there's a question that you definitely should ask Gary, and and perhaps you can also answer this, Austin, and that is that. Granted, how this generation went, because I know you have said multiple times on this show, you felt like it took a while for the games to really start coming. So, do you feel as though it's going to be the same for next generation, or or that you know Microsoft and Sony will come swinging out the gates right to start next generation? I'm going to turn my camera back on to, 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 to look your picture dead in the eye when I say this. Um, <laughs> I feel like a big holdup for last gen was the... Okay. And, and I have a good friend of mine who literally harps on this notion all the time. Last gen was so front-loaded with remasters and remakes. And not like... Not like necessary remasters. And and don't get me wrong, I love the Nathan Drake collection and I love The Last of Us. But we had never really seen that. I, I really, like, it wasn't a situation where it was Shadow of the Colossus, where it was remade from the ground up, or Resident Evil 2, remade from the ground up. It wasn't that. These were up ports, and there were so many of them. And I, I don't even have the fortitude to count them. Some people got them right, or you can look at the Master Chief collection and notice that some people got them wrong. my biggest one of my biggest hopes going into next gen is that we see a generation where backwards compatibility isn't something we have to ask for it's something already given Mm -hmm. and I know I, I know uh I don't know if you own an Xbox Rich an Xbox One X? Oh, yeah, I do own a One X. I own a One X, and one of my favorite features on that console is the enhanced backwards compatibility. Yes. I love playing Red Dead 1. Excuse me. Excuse me. Because people get pissy when they forget I you know, don't acknowledge Red Dead Revolver. I love <laughs> Red Dead Redemption 1 uh, <laughs> in 4K. They went back and they gave um, Halo 3, if you just put in a 360 disc, they went back and they gave that HDR. So it's possible to take these old kind of... It, it's, I, I'm, what I want to see is backwards compatibility plus. I want to see uh, Uncharted 4 put in my PS5 and bam, instantly 4K. I, I want to see Horizon Dawn, the disc I own, Zero Dawn, put in my PS5 five and bam 4k 60 frames that's what i would love to see an automatic bump up um i i totally expect xbox to do it i don't know if playstation will Uh oh i know they have the tech they've researched a lot of stuff i've seen the patent for the new move controllers so at least they have like the triggers on them but we'll see yeah we'll see what happens so, so there, there, there is some. So, so you do have some optimism. So, Gary, 
are, are you optimistic that uh, there will be these changes next gen, or is it going to be the same thing, whereas a lot of remasters and waiting to get games, e- even when the new consoles are out? Uh, well, I agree with Austin. Like, backwards <clears throat> compatibility should be out the box, like, and you should be able to, you know, um, take your entire PS4 collection and bring it across to the PS5. So, you know, Persona 5, Uncharted 4, you know, all these games I own for PS4, I should just be able to put them in my PS5 and it just works. And like Austin said, I believe that they should also be forwards compatible by some regards. And, you know, this is a big reason why I'm so comfortable being a PC gamer now, because you can pretty much already do that on PC. Like, you can take games from seven years ago upscale them to a a higher resolution um obviously this also depends on how much uh um you know um how much new work the the developer is willing to do because you know sometimes they might issue um you know uh, a high higher resolution texture pack to make it even better or it might just be a case of upscaling you know and um it it depends on what the results of upscaling are you know Uh, but if the developer is willing to issue updates then that makes it you know even better but i do believe that it's possible for uh both the ps5 and the next xbox to have some sort of upscale um out the box so um i i'm hoping that that's something that will happen but i do think it's very important that you you're able to take your library with you and I also feel like there should just be one copy of a game. Like, let's say um, Last of Us. Let's use Last of Us 2 as an example. So let's say that comes out after the PS5 has already come out. You should just be able to buy Last of Us 5. And you can either put it in your PS4 or your PS5. And it still plays. But obviously if you play on your PS5, it's going to be the more superior version of the game. Um, so I, I feel like that's how it should be handled um, and that's exactly how it is on PC so I want these new consoles to pretty much replicate what's possible on PC now obviously what puts people off of PC is the techie stuff because um, you know sometimes you have to patch games or fix games or you know the, uh, and you have to be able to change your parts and everything um, and people don't want that headache. So if these consoles can um, can deliver a PC-like gaming experience um, to to people who don't want that headache, um, then you know that people are just going to throw money at them at that point because that's all every, anybody's been asking for. You know, uh, people want a PC-like experience in their living room. Um, so if, if the consoles are able to deliver that, then I think that's definitely the next um, evolution of console gaming. Um, so hopefully, you know that that is the case, um, and that's what I'm going to be looking out for. Because as it stands right now, I'm not going to be rushing into the next console generation. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I currently have no interest in getting a PS5 or the whatever the next Xbox is. I'm happy on PC. Um, I will probably get a Switch sometime soon just because it has a bunch of JRPGs and because it is like, you know, an original concept, you know, the fact that you can um, 
have a, a living room experience with it and you can um, have portable gaming with it you know I, I like that concept you know it's something different um, and it's something that I'm sure Microsoft and Sony aren't going to do with with the new consoles so because the switch is so unique that's definitely on my radar um, and I will be getting one soon um, but as for these new consoles they're really gonna have to you know show me something original um, to, to really win me over and make me want to go out and buy it because uh, I feel we're in a state right now where the third party games are coming out on everything it wasn't like in the PS2 era where third party publishers were um, choosing sides like you know you would have some third party games that would only come out on PS2 or only come out on Xbox um, I feel like that kind of started to change during the the PS3 and the 360 era even though um, there were still a lot of exclusives but it was beginning to change um, and in the PS4 and uh, the Xbox One era um, that's when we really saw things change to where you know third party publishers were just putting their games on everything you know across the board so because of that I think I'm, I'm already kind of set you know I have my PC um, all I need to do is like I'm gonna make some upgrades on it um, sometime this year um, You know get a new graphics card and a new processor and once I do that I'm kind of set you know I'm, I'm ready for this next wave of games to, to come out and you know um, Oh, I also do need a, a 4k monitor too um, uh Oh, so, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna do like Austin and buy something a bit pricey. So, you know once, once I do that I'm set so <laughs> you know, I, I I'll say this: I've never been a fan of uh, so a lot of exclusivity. I think the term used years ago was money hat, and I've never I've never necessarily been a fan of trying to like. I think at the end of the day, if more people want to play the game, they should play the game. Um, but sometimes ports jeopardize. Like my thing is, I'm down for a third party exclusive. As long as it does not jeopardize the quality of of the experience, um, I would not want to play Skyrim on the Switch. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Nor honestly would I want to play Wolfenstein on the Switch. Like if it's a beautiful game that has striking visuals, yeah. I would prefer to play that on a console. Um, I know in the case of two gens ago, something like Knights of the Old Republic had to come out on the Xbox because the PS2 lacked the, the hardware to run it. Um, we had, you know, there were just some games that couldn't run things. I remember the limitations of, um, fuck, what was it? Uh, or excuse me. Uh, dang, what was it? Um, uh, Metal Gear Solid. Yeah, Metal Gear Solid 4 being on one Blu-ray disc, whereas so many Xbox games, were, Xbox 360 games were on Multi-discs was baffling. The fact that, you know, Final Fantasy was what? 13 was on four discs, I think, for the 360? Yeah. It was like three, I think. Three or four. I can't remember. And the joke I remember, the meme I would see online is MGS4 announced for Xbox 360, and it was something <laughs> yeah, like eight, eight discs. <laughs> um, that was hilarious. You know? So, so on, by the way, when, when, when Red Dead Redemption 2 came out, I had a blast from the past. I just opened that up and I saw two discs and I was like, 
What year is this? <laughs> so if the technology requires it or allocates it, I'm fine with third-party exclusives. Um, I think going into this gen, though, we are in a much better... I think it's only in the last few years we've really found our stride with games that I want to see continue. If you look at what PlayStation's going to have just in terms of expected sequels, we know that there will be uh, a Horizon Zero Dawn 2. Yeah. We know there'll be another God of War. Um, and I can't wait for both of those. Naughty Dog apparently has a new IP in the pipe line. I've heard that they were there was that rumor recently where they were looking for a, a, a black actor to play the lead and I think it was going to be set in space. Um, on top of that though, there's going to be probably an Uncharted 5. You think so? Uh oh. Because yeah. I, I thought they were done with that. Well that's the big rumor that uh That's the big rumor that, um, sorry, one second. Oh, it's okay. But yeah, because well, I, I thought, um... that's the big rumor that, um, they put together a new team recently to put together a fifth Uncharted, largely because there's also an Uncharted movie potentially coming. We'll see if that actually comes to fruition. Uh, I don't know if Nathan Drake will be in it, but yeah, there there is there was a mass there was a mass Naughty Dog Exodus. Oh, a lot of employee, not a mass one, but a lot of uh, former Uncharted team members, key team people, uh, now work at another Sony studio, and that is that's what everybody like. There's enough smoke there to make me think that there's fire. To be honest, oh, oh. Um, and yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if there's a Last of Us Part 3. You never know. It'll probably be quite some time from now, but I don't see them just doing... If you're going to do two games, you might as well do three games. Yeah, yeah, I, I think that, that that's for certain. That's definitely going to be a, a Part 3. And with with Uncharted, I'm guessing they might go with Chloe as like the main character or something, or just a new set of characters, maybe. Or Or, or the daughter. The young daughter. Yeah, that's a possibility. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I think we could definitely see that. It's I would love to see the daughter in a Drake in a in a Sully role, but I don't think I would want. I Nathan Drake would have to be there for me in some capacity. I know yeah. Amy Hennig, Amy Hennig said that there's always stories you can go back and tell that happened before. Um. Part of me thinks, part of me, I, I'm always curious if they would bring Amy Hennig back um, to work on the franchise. Because uh, everything, I've, everything I've heard uh, seems like she parted in good terms. Or not, not necessarily good terms, but she's never come out to say anything critical. Um, and obviously, well, I think Sony respects her. Well, 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 here's a question, though, for you both. If there is an Uncharted 5... Uh, would y'all love to see Sam return? <laughs> no, no. <laughs> That's an easy no. I just want to be like Troy Baker. It's not about you, dude. Sit down. <laughs> it's um, 
Can I go on a slight, quick, like, mini tangent? Oh, yeah. Go ahead. Uncharted 3 is, like, my favorite game of all time. And 3 instead of 2. Interesting. I know. Like, I, th- I think two, 2 is um, a better-paced game. I think, I think Uncharted 2 checked a lot of boxes. I think the, there's definitely more combat in Uncharted 2, but as somebody who does love those slower moments, like I love the desert, I love the sweeping camera angles, thematically, as somebody who like, not to go into it because it's a whole separate conversation that one of these days I want to like write a long article about, but uh, I don't know if you've ever heard the term imposter syndrome. Mm-hmm. Yep. But that's pretty much Nathan Drake. And as somebody who, you know, was an orphan who never believed they could be anything significant. And he goes as far to fabricate and manufacture a backstory that is so far removed from reality to feel important because he's constantly doubting himself otherwise. That was something that just like hit me in the right place. Uh, I got to see a protagonist, a hero have the same doubts of purpose and self-worth that I think a lot of people do. I know myself included. So to have that be the central theme of Uncharted 3, to for Drake's deception to be um, him deceiving himself, and on top of that, uh, to have the Arabian setting, to have those set pieces. I love the plane. I also love the slowness of the desert. I love the mirages. Uh, that's my favorite game of all time. So going up and realizing that its immediate successor had to top what I loved about Uncharted 3 and take it further, I was just hyped. Um, and obviously what happened with Naughty Dog happened. You'll hear some reports, um, and the people I talked to at Naughty Dog assure me that they feel they've made a much uh, better game than what they were going to make. Um, I just know that the big takeaways were, and if you need to read Josh Schreier's Schreier's book, Blood, Sweat, and Pixels, he kind of covers Uncharted 4 briefly. Yeah, I recently just read that, actually. Um, And that was like definitely one of the standout chapters in that book. So I recommend everyone go check it out. But but I know like it would have avoided the big criticism of Nathan Drake being a serial killer because I don't think you were going to get a gun for the first half of the game, which I was fine with. Because I love, I love Uncharted when it's fisticuffs, when it's a little bit more scrappy. Um, and I know the biggest thing was, uh, well, there were there would be that. There would be when you do shoot, you get to shoot handholds. I know the central story has stayed the same, but the biggest difference revolves around Sam. And the reason why I would never want to see Sam come back <clears throat> is the Sam that was pitched by Amy Hennig initially would have been a villain. Yeah. That's why I wanted it, by the way. But yeah, oh, absolutely. I mean, I, the the reason why he would have been the bad guy, but he he wouldn't have been Sam Drake. And for me, so much that was great about Uncharted Three, about Nathan Drake picking this name to make himself feel important, is if you actually play Uncharted Four, spoiler alert, Nathan doesn't pick the name Drake. That's his brother, and it's not picked because they felt they were nobodies it's picked because they need to change their name because they were on the run for cops. It cheapened and lessened the, the reasoning behind it. So in the initial pitch for uncharted four, Sam still existed, 
his last name wasn't Drake. It was very much like the initial Sam Morgan. So what I would have loved to have seen was this older brother who was pretty much critical of his younger brother telling him to grow up and get rid of his delusions and to see that dynamic. And I don't know if either of you have an older brother. I have two of them. So that would have been something that would have struck a a nerve very close to home. Mm -hmm. Um, I would have loved to have seen that Sam. I would want that Sam to come back. But to have, and with all, like, Troy Baker's a great guy. And it's it's a solid performance. I just don't like the implications the character offers. Because it robs Nathan of his own authority in the narrative. And it really cheapens the decisions he made throughout his life that we got to see realized in Uncharted 3. Had Sam not been a Drake, had it not been the brothers Drake, had it just been Nathan Drake and Sam Morgan, the brother who believed in something versus the brother who was critical and cynical of everything, I would have been fine with that. I wholeheartedly agree with that. (laughs) But I'm totally down for another one. I still think that Madagascar Chase is one of the greatest set pieces I've ever played. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. So, let me just say something real quick before we get ready to wrap up the show. In terms of my thoughts on uh, Next Generation, uh, I, I'm looking forward to it as well, although I, I definitely can wait and, and will wait because there are still a ton of games that I need to finish from this generation. Now, if Last of Us 2 does come out for PS4, I'm pretty sure they'll also have it come out for PS5, then uh, yeah, that, that definitely is going to keep me a lot a lot busier. But um, in terms of how I think next generation is going to go I, I i i like to believe that that austin has made a great point about uh us getting uh other games not so many so many remasters in the beginning although i do think um in the beginning though it, there is going to definitely be there's going to be some titles that just aren't ready now obviously i know microsoft has said at their xbox conference all of the studios that they have acquired, they're going to have something to show at their E3 conference next month. So I'm very curious to see what exactly they show because some of those studios that were just formed or have been formed for a little bit of time, I, there's no way that they're going to have a game ready, I would say, for launch of the next Xbox if it does launch in 2020. But then again, I could be wrong. But um, I'm just curious to know what that game is and how that's going to change the dynamic of their first-party lineup. So we'll see about that next month. But in the meantime, what, what, what I will say is um, I do feel that Microsoft is definitely going to have a much, much better generation, next generation, than they have had this generation because I recall when they first announced the Xbox One, and they had this whole thing about, well, you can do everything on this. They really harped on entertainment. You know, you're watching movies, TV, and all this other stuff. And, and I feel that that really turned a lot of people off. Because they didn't really talk so much about gaming. And then since then, when Phil Spencer has come in and changed the narrative, he's done an excellent job with his role. Um, definitely convinced me of it. This is one of the reasons why I picked up the Xbox One X, you know, for sure. Because I was one of the people that picked up the initial Xbox One that launched the, the VCR console. And while I enjoyed the console, you know, they just, it was so big, so massive, I felt like that wasn't the system that they were meant to, to make. The Xbox One X 
that is the system that they should have launched in the very beginning. But of course, you know, they, they listened to the feedback and I'm glad they launched it now. So I feel as though Microsoft has learned a lot of lessons from this generation. I think they're going to do an excellent job next generation. Uh, as for Sony, I think Sony, as the leading console manufacturer now, leading in sales, everything, they definitely can bring a lot more to the table. Um, and, and they will obviously be the ones that are going to be favorite favorites to dominate again next generation. But I do think it's going to be interesting to see what Nintendo and Microsoft bring to the table because the Switch is doing successful now. It's doing excellent right now. Um, I feel like they can go into next generation. They don't need to, to release another console. Nintendo can just keep doing stuff on the Switch and they'll be fine. But um, I'm very curious to see what's going to happen with Microsoft and Sony. But 2020, uh, yeah, I do agree. Maybe fall 2020 is when we'll see those consoles, but I don't expect to see anything before that. I, I expect to see... Um, I, I do expect the Xbox to be shown off uh, in June. Oh, yeah. Oh, yes. Mm-hmm. And, and I'll say this in regards to this. Because um, at this point, I just feel like I have no allegiances. I go back and forth all the time. Um... But as someone who is adamantly excited about the potential of what's to come, talking about the Xbox game, because at the end of the day, you know, like, I want to play it all. I, I don't necessarily have, I won't be one of those people who have nothing better to do than hit up the comment section and just start insulting uh, the interests and passion of other people. That said, what I enjoy what I can't wait to immerse myself in because I expect, I know the architects and engineers from the Xbox one X are building the next Xbox platform. I know Xbox sets out planning to have the best, like the most powerful console um, of the next generation. I also know that the highest rating, highest rated uh, game from Xbox this generation was a racing game. It was an open world racing game. When Forza is the best your console has to offer, nothing against Forza, but like, come on, we're, we're in trouble if a racing game, in terms of <laughs> substance, is is your you you know your crowning jewel. Yeah. That said, I'm ninety percent sure that what uh, Playground Games is working on is uh, a Fable reboot, mm-hmm. and we all have those kind of dream announcements. And that, that's one that I think might just get me emotional. I loved Fable. I was there from day one for the OG Fable, a.k.a. Project Ego. And to see it come back would just be something that, you know, I'm on board already. Day zero. Yeah, they, they do need to reboot that. I think uh, they could do some great things if they uh, re-envision it. Mm-hmm. The amount of times my younger brother calls me up just to call me Chicken Chaser. I, I just, I've stopped counting. <laughs> oh, so good. Indeed. I will say, last thing I'll say, though, and then, of course, do your goodbyes, but I never thought I would see a sequel to Rage, and yet that's coming out. So I don't know what, I can't call this <laughs> You know, it's funny, it's funny you mentioned that because, uh, I'm going to mention something uh, that Gary will laugh about. Uh, you know, the, yeah, the Rage sequel is out like in like in about another week or so. Mm-hmm. They, I have. I, I'm pretty sure you've heard the rumors of 
the supposed leaked stuff that's supposed to get announced at Xbox, and one of the rumors is that Blink is also Brink. Is it Brink? Yeah, Brink is also coming back. So that's supposed to be Bethesda's next uh, major announcement at the Xbox show. So we'll see if if that's true. Uh, but if Rage Two can return, I think pretty much all bets are off. A lot, a lot of other stuff can also return. I I agree with that completely. <laughs> Absolutely. So, uh, any final thoughts before we wrap up today's show? Thanks for having me back, guys. I would love to get the opportunity again. Oh, yeah, definitely. We'll go, we'll go, go ahead, Gary. Uh, real quick, just uh, to just as a, a small tidbit, um, somebody in the comments actually mentioned that um, they think the PS5 will be announced at the, the state of play later this month on the playstation stream um and if they do that i think that's an interesting way to take away some steam from uh microsoft leading into e3 so well well that 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 certainly is a is a very good point because yeah sony did say they wasn't going to have a conference at e3 that that didn't mean that they wasn't going to try to do something either before or around the time of the of, of of the show so yeah, I I, I, I I could totally see that happening. Um although I, I I would think that they may wait a little while to do that. I mean I, I mean I, I just I just I, I just don't know how aggressive they want to be with that because it feels like they have a lot of games they still need to finish that are supposedly coming to PS4, although I'm pretty sure some of these games will also be cross generational. Like Death Stranding will definitely be a PS5 title. I, I don't see that coming to PS4. If it does, it's going to end up being on both. But uh, yeah, I think it'll be cross-platform. They've marketed it as a PS4 game, so I, I feel like it'll be a situation where you we're going to see it on both, but the better version will be PS5, no doubt. Yes, that makes sense. That absolutely makes sense. Um, but yeah, you know, st- we'll we'll see about state of play. I I do know they're going to be talking about that VR game, Blood and Truth, because that's coming out this month. That that'll probably they'll talk about that and they'll talk about Judgment because that's the other PS4 Sega game that's kind of like Yakuza. That's coming out next month also. So they'll definitely talk about those games, show more of those. But uh, a PS5 announcement that'll be pretty huge if they said something on that show. But if they don't say it on that show, I definitely still think you're going to get that announcement this year is over because as you said Austin Microsoft is definitely going to show the next Xbox at this conference if they don't show it they're going to mention it and and then they're going to talk about it heavily next year but I'm pretty sure Microsoft knowing that they are the only ones that really having a conference out of Sony and Nintendo they are going to utilize that opportunity and take advantage of that for sure so I would be surprised if they, they don't announce it and then as a result Sony also announces theirs so We'll see. <laughs> Absolutely. Yes. So uh, I believe uh, that wraps up our show for today. Um, yes. Thank you very much for being on, Austin. I thought it was an excellent conversation all around. Uh, we're definitely going to have to do this again sometime. Yes, sir. Thank you guys for having me back. Well, we, we definitely got to have you back again. That was a great conversation. Absolutely. So, great conversation uh, with great friends. Hell yeah. I agree. I agree. So uh, do you have any shout outs that you want to give first, uh, Austin? 
Um, I guess yeah. Shout out to um, I I, I will I will spare you the the gritty details, but suffice to say, uh, it's been a little bit of a rough time as of late. So I want to shout out to the good friends who stuck out, uh, have stayed with me, uh, in support and solidarity. Um, for many years to come, always Morgan Newman, uh, my buddy. Alex Jonesy Jones and um, Daniel Massessa, aka Giggle Plus Seven Thousand on Xbox. Uh, these were <laughs> these were guys that we met in two thousand eight online. Well, I knew Brian and I knew Alex. I've known Alex for twenty years. Brian actually worked at a GameStop, and I met him in two thousand nine. But there was Dan and Zach and Dave, uh, and these were guys we just met while playing Xbox live initially in 2008 just playing halo i think it was the beta and we just enjoyed each other's company and then it got to the point where we found ourselves talking to each other and playing games we still played games but we would spend the time maybe on the dashboard just talking you know discussing critical things and we all grew up together there were moments where you know we were all kind of hit by the heaviness of life one care uh one individual uh, unfortunately had a parent pass away um, and and he was very present in the moment and and even found it so that was traumatizing and, and then one individual um, in the group had to deal with sexuality concerns and it just we all went through to be slightly crass we all went through the shit that life throws us at the same time and we were all there to support each other so knowing that these guys who, you know, and actually in 2015, we met up for the first time, all of us, and we jumped out of an airplane. <laughs> uh, that's, that's how we commemorated our first meetup. So knowing that these relationships that began with video games, but it permeated our personal lives, have gone on to shape us and help us. And in times of extreme darkness, where true, for, where, where people who you thought were friends and people who you thought were loved ones turn out to be anything but it is good to know that these people that met met playing video games and a shared passion and a shared love for entertainment and and you know chainsaw bayonets it's good to know that these people aren't just there when it's easy they're there for you when it's always right so the individuals i mentioned plus a few more and they know who they are i have nothing but uh but um, but undeniable love for them. And to to quote Elena Fisher from Uncharted Three, uh, I'm prepared to willing to go to the end of the world for them, just like they are for me. So, thank you guys, and and just wanted to shout you out. Yes, I I want to thank you, and I want to say that was a very beautiful, very powerful message. I think um, Gary and I can certainly uh agree that. Yeah, we never would have imagined the video game would have led to the experiences that we have had. You know, as far as me joining the website, you know, we've, we've gotten the chance to meet some great people. Gary definitely has can say, say a lot more on his on, when he gives his shout out about how it's impacted him. So I appreciate you saying that for sure. And, and I want to give a shout out to everybody that I have come across, you know, people on the coalition, the current staff as well as the past people in the past of the coalition, you know, I, it has been an honor and a pleasure. Um, and then of course, for those listening as well, you know, thank you for your continued support and 
definitely looking forward to continuing bring you guys more shows moving forward but uh now i'm gonna pass the mic over to gary his shout outs oh yeah that that was a very deep message from uh you know mr austin um and yeah like you know this uh shared passion is is very powerful you know I've, i've been able to do some uh pretty amazing things that i never thought i'd get to do um and you know being someone who's been chronically ill my whole life like um you know there's a lot of times where i feel like you know um i'm incapable of doing things that that uh come naturally to other people you know um so yeah this uh this whole the coalition and um having this shared passion for for video games and entertainment like it's carried me a lot and given me you know something to 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 be confident with and to keep pushing forward and yeah like uh met great people like you you guys through this and um also you at my very first e3 i actually got to meet my dad for the first time because you know he lives in america um and yeah like just the fact that gaming was able to open that door to where i could go to america and then meet my dad like that that's just powerful right there so definitely um this is why we still do this to this day because it's definitely it's important and it is powerful Mm -hmm. so amen yeah what's up Oh, you said amen? Oh, yeah. yeah, sorry. No, no, no. You said, uh, hey, man. No. <laughs> no, I, I was saying amen to that. Right? I agree. I misheard. My bad. Yeah, so um, as for shout-outs, um, big shout-outs to our, our supporters and, you know, the people who sponsor us. Um, that's M. Collins, Mauricio Aguilar, Himdil, Fergus Mills, Miguel, Antonio Rogers, and Sean Gorty. Um, you know, we, we thank you all for your continued support and patronage. Uh, we are going to be having a giveaway uh, very soon. I, I believe uh, this coming week we're going to have a, a giveaway. So look out for that. Uh, our Patreon people will be automatically entered into this giveaway. And, you know, they're, they're going to have a, a higher uh, chance of winning just for their support. So um, thank you to those who do support us. And um, big shouts to Tiger King. Uh, Big Daddy and uh, who else was it? Uh, Andrew Wilkins um, for participating in the live chat today. Um, you know your your thoughts were very much valued, and I want to give a big thanks to you know all my uh, friends who have been supporting me recently. Um, you know because I've been going through some some personal things. So big shouts to um, you know um, Carl, Ramiz, Ed. Of course, you, Rich, and, you know, the entire Coalition staff as well. Um, so thank you guys for being there. And that's pretty much it for now. Um, we'll be back next week. And, you know, hopefully there won't be any um, hiatuses, you know, um, anytime soon. And we'll keep the show consistent. But, um, you know, as I said, life does get in the way at times. But we'll do our best to, to keep consistent from here on. So um, that's pretty much it from me. Yes, sounds good. So, thank you all for listening, and uh, we'll talk to you all next week.